Hi, everyone, and welcome to Talent Talks. I'm Rob Adams. In this episode, we're excited to be joined by Rohan Paul, president at Teamalytics. Rohan's personal mission is to unlock and unleash potential in people, and I love that, a mission that strongly aligns with the purpose at Teamalytics. As president, he leads the Teamalytics business unit of the Flippin' Group. In this role, he facilitates an experienced team in the development and delivery of leadership and team solutions to organizations in the United States and around the world. Thanks so much for having me here, Rob. Thankful to be have the opportunity to join you here today. Well, same. I'm glad you're with us. Let's dive right in. Explain how you got involved with Teamalytics and what you consider uh, the company's secret sauce in the field of team coaching. I always love the term secret sauce. What is the secret sauce? Yeah, so I guess my my first, I had the, the privilege and the benefit of meeting with the founder of the parent company, the Flippin' Group. And I, and this connects to your question about the secret sauce. So his approach is really to help give people insight into how their behavior impacts people around them. And, and so I, I'll never forget my first conversation where I was, you know, I, I completed the assessment that, that we've developed, that he developed in the team at, at, at Teamalytics. And I'll never forget the conversation where he was explaining to me, this is how people experience you, you know, and, and we were talking through it and I go, okay, I, I get it. But then his next question was, well, do you see how some of these behaviors are getting in the way of you being able to to fully be who you can be and, and how you can fully help your team accomplish what they're trying to accomplish? And I said, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's clear to me that it gets in the way at times. And, he, and then the next question was, well, what are you going to do about it? And I thought, what do you mean? What am I going to do about it? I mean, this is who I am. You want me to be someone different? And so I guess the secret sauce of what we do is really giving people that insight into what it actually feels like, not not what you hope it feels like or what you think it feels like, but what does it really feel like to work with with you, Rob, or with me? And in what ways am I helping and in what ways am I getting in the way? And then specifically giving people something tangible to do differently and a mechanism to follow up and really see the impact of choosing a different behavior and how that can raise your level of effectiveness. I think that's part of the secret sauce. I think the other part is the really the 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 development of people within the context of a team. We spend most of our careers and time at work in teams, and it can either be a wonderful, fulfilling experience where you get to do the best work of your life, or it can be an incredibly frustrating experience that, you know, can ultimately cause someone to want to quit and, and go work somewhere else. And so I think we like to focus on on the team as the unit of transformation, because not only do the most important w- critical initiatives and functions get done in teams, but teams are typically assembled for a reason. So there's a, there's a goal, there's a purpose, there's an outcome to which we can focus all of our developmental efforts. So I think it's really the, the insights and helping people really understand what it feels like to be around them and then really being intentional about how to build this healthy, cohesive team that's being tasked with a specific mission and how can we help you achieve that more effectively. I'm a sports guy, so I'm, I'm I'm all about teams when you're a sports guy. So I, I get it completely. Uh, I, I know you, as we alluded to earlier, uh, I know you had the chance to attend Hunt Scanlon's PE conference in New York in May. And then this past week, you were a panelist at the PEVC conference in San Francisco. Share with us any big takeaways you had from the conference last week in San Francisco. And uh, on top of that, 
Can you also give us a few highlights from what you covered during your your panel on human capital diligence, the key success factor in deals? Let's start with those two notes. Okay. Yeah, I I really enjoyed uh, all of the speakers and and the sessions. I guess the biggest difference maybe between the New York and and San Francisco, I guess New York was a little bit more focused on private equity in particular. San Francisco had the uh, private equity focus, but also looking at the VC uh, world because of where we were. So I think that was maybe the biggest kind of difference between the two events. Uh, my, some of my big takeaways just from being at the event in San Francisco, uh, obviously there was a lot of discussion around the changing market dynamics, both in the VC world, uh, and also in the private equity world. There's slower deal flow. Um, there's, there's a slowdown in the hiring spree. I think that many companies were on in the last couple of years and now really focus on consolidating. Uh, but I think there was still a lot of discussion around, you know, even though the overall hiring process may be slower, the overall deal flow might be lower, there's still a real emphasis on the quality. So certain roles, uh, you know, I think there's still a lot of need to have the right talent in. We, I heard a lot of people talk about the CFO role, for example, uh, that's still in, 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 maybe in more demand as, as investors are looking at the current environment and wanting to make sure that they've got the right person in that CFO seat to handle the high interest rate environment and some of the uncertainties, the importance of getting battle tested, leadership, CEOs, and other members on the executive team that have been through a down cycle. Uh, you know, we've had the f- good fortune of being in, in such a bull market over the last 10 years uh, that I think there's a concern that some leaders have, haven't really operated in an environment of scaling back and, and really consolidating gains and operating in an uncertain environment. So I think those were some of the, the highlights that really stood out to me, understanding the challenges, but also how firms are grappling with and trying to solve those, those particular challenges. So that was maybe my biggest takeaway from the, from the conference overall. The focus of our panel was on human capital diligence during the due diligence process and how can companies really think about that. I think some of my key takeaways there, uh, one was just recognizing in an environment where there's fewer deals being done, companies are really hesitant to put more checks and balances or, you know, put anything in the way of getting a deal closed. And so human capital might be deprioritized in that particular environment where you don't want to kind of subject people to too much diligence because uh, you're trying to get the, the the right deal closed. So that was challenging, uh, which I think makes you want to be more intentional on the back end of a deal, recognizing that you may not have been able to do as much uh, vetting of the team from a human capital perspective. And so it's really sure. important to focus on how to help them post deal the first 100 days and in the value creation plan. Uh, I think the other, the other piece that stood out to me was just the importance of really being intentional with helping the new team be successful as much as possible. There was a question around how to really help onboard a new CEO and accelerate that CEO's effectiveness uh, within teams. So I think those were some of the key pieces that stood out to me. Yeah, and and very well done, and I'm glad you were a part of it. Um, you alluded to some of the similarities and some of the differences between the East and West Coast uh, PE and con- the PE conferences. You're right. New York, a little more PE-driven, where – San Francisco PEVC driven. Uh, was there anything else that stuck out in terms of similarities or differences to you? I, I think probably just the context of wh- when those two conferences happened. You know, the May conference was still really was was really focused more on culture and how to invest in in, in strong, healthy teams. 
Uh, and we weren't quite in the same environment we're in right now, where I think the, the focus of this event was really on just some of the current challenges in this of this environment that I mentioned earlier, slower hiring, you know, lower deal flow. I think we saw some early indicators uh, of, of, of that coming uh, in the earlier event, but it was yeah. much more of a focus in, in this recent event. Hopefully the quality of the moderator was at least on par for both events, if not a little better. You never know. Always hey, you did a great job. I know you had to wrangle the group a little bit more maybe in San Francisco, a bit more I of a did. rowdy crowd I did. trying to bring that them was, back breaks. That was surprising. But, yeah, <laughs> uh, but, every you know, the, the audience is always great, so that's that's fine. Rohan, just before we wrap up, I, I want to take a, a, a moment – and talk a little about the Viewpoint chapter that Teamalytics published entitled Building a Winning Team, Predicting Future Behavior and Avoiding Costly Hiring Mistakes, which is part of Hunt Scanlon's Private Equity Recruiting Report. Recruiting top talent is a big priority for all businesses, but why is getting hires right the first time particularly important to private equity firms? I think the key is in the in, in the question you just asked, right, the first time. And time is, 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 I think, incredibly scarce or valuable when you think about private equity. And so, you know, you can double your money, but it depends on how long it takes you to double your money. Uh, that's the critical factor in, in providing maximum return back to the investors. And so, you know, we're making a mistake during the hiring process is, is costly for a whole number of reasons, but just think about time, time that it wastes of, of trying to onboard this person and make it work the time to now replace that particular individual and then the time to onboard this next leader and make sure you get it right. And so I think uh, with everything that we do to support private equity firms, the key word is acceleration. We want to accelerate that team's ability to deliver on the value creation plan. And and we really want to make sure that we minimize time wasted and energy wasted. And so I think that's where it, it really, like you said, any business struggles and, and, and wants to make sure they get it right. But I think particularly for private equity, uh, it's it's imperative that that we don't waste time and that's a really good way to make sure that we're being a good steward and we're getting the re- investors the returns that they need to get and so to all of that said what is the trick to predicting future behavior and avoiding costly hiring mistakes you know there's some something we find is that you tend to hire for experience and and competencies and background uh you know skill set etc but people get fired because of behavior. And, and I think what ends up happening is we don't necessarily, I think most firms don't have a good way other than the interview and the reference checks and, and things that quite honestly, if you stop and think about it, I mean, most senior executives, I, I like to say are like professional interviewers. You know, we know how to inter- come across well in interview. We know what people sure. are looking for. Yeah. And, and most of our references are really going to give us a glowing review and are going to speak to the positives, right? That's why we pick them as references. And so I think the key is really to be able to look below the the kind of surface and and not so much to say you know hire or don't hire but to really understand what is this person going to be like as a teammate uh one of the one of the things that we do in addition to serving private equity and you mentioned sports uh a lot of the major league football teams and baseball teams actually use our behavioral data during the draft process to right. really understand what is this player like or how coachable are they what kind of teammate are they going to be well, how how are they going to be in the locker room right you can review all their stats as a player and not really get insights into those other areas and so that's an area where 
our particular assessment tool, uh, I think does a really good job of helping you understand what kind of teammate will this person be? Uh, you know, where we have data on the existing team, we can help people think through what sort of gap might they fill on the team or what areas might they really struggle with, um, you know, on, on the particular team. So g- getting those insights in early and being proactive can really help make sure that a rocky or bumpy onboarding experience is a lot smoother by helping people really be intentional of what they need to either turn the dial up on or turn the dial down on. So that's a way that we provide kind of an extra layer of, of insight is, is to really give people that understanding, even in a, in a hiring situation, uh, for example, that's confidential where, uh, you know, you, no, nobody knows someone's looking for a job, et cetera, and it might be tricky to run an assessment. We minimally have the candidate complete their self-assessment and then have their references complete this assessment on them. And so you're getting a kind of a look below the surface in terms of how did it, how did the references experience working with this particular individual mm-hmm. along some really key leadership behaviors so we can help firms understand the difference between candidate A and candidate B. And if they should go with candidate A, here are the areas you need to be really more intentional with. Or if you go with candidate B, you know, here's a different set of, of, of considerations that you have to make in terms of how to make them really successful, which is, I think, the goal of, of, of any new hire. So as as we wrap up, if you had one thought to leave our audience with today about how to build a winning team, what would that be? You know, I think one of the comments that, that I made at the panel, I think I had a lot of people come up to me and say it really resonated with them. It's 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 around this idea of being very intentional about how you think about culture. And and the way we like to say, you know, there's so many ways you can think about culture. Um, but we like to say really your culture is the, is the behaviors that you tolerate. You know, people don't tend to think of it in those terms, but if I tolerate a behavior as a leader, I'm effectively setting a, an expectation and setting a new standard. And so one of the ways that I think firms can be really intentional about building a winning team is to help people think about the behaviors that drive a winning team. And how do we really, how can we be intentional and create a sense of shared purpose around the environment, the culture, the behaviors, what it's like to work on this team? Let's define what success looks like. And then let's have a mechanism in place that we all agree to, to hold ourselves mutually accountable to really implementing that, that environment, even amongst our leadership team as a start, which then trickles down and impacts the whole organization. I think it, it sounds obvious. It sounds, you know, intuitive and easy. I think the actual working out of it is, is, is where the magic lies. And, and, you know, I was just on a call with a client just before this, 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 this one, and they were concerned that they weren't, you know, living up to that shared commitment. And, you know, I reminded them, look, we, we don't always live up to that aspirational, you know, commitment, but the key is what happens when we don't, you know, does nothing happen? Does, does it just kind of get unnoticed or do we actually stop and address it? And I think a sign of a healthy, high functioning team is not that you don't occasionally have a hiccup or you don't sometimes have someone, you know, behave in a way that's, that's out of line. The key to a really high functioning successful team is what happens when we break that commitment? What happens when we don't live up to those aspirational standards? And, and to me, the most healthy teams have a mechanism in place that everyone's agreed to, that everyone's committed to, to be able to circle back and address it. We're all human. We're going to make mistakes. I think the power of, of having that intentional process is that we come back to who we know we want to be and come back to address it. And that's one of the 
things that keeps you coming back for more. And that's the kind of team I want to be a part of. And I think you'd want to be a part of uh, where we can kind of hold each other accountable, lock shields and go attack the enemy together instead of each other. Yeah, I, I'm I'm all about being part of a team, and the, the team I had in San Francisco was absolutely fantastic, so I appreciate everything that you're saying. Absolutely great to speak with you today, and uh, just grateful to have you on the show, and you know, we, we, we hope the podcast provides listeners with a strong understanding of your platform, and all, as always, we wish you and Teamalytics uh, continued success. We hope to see you in the future at the conferences and back here on the podcast as well. Thanks so much for your time today, Rohan. Thanks, Rob. My, my pleasure and privilege. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, that's all the time we have here today. Alongside Rohan Paul of Teamalytics, I'm Rob Adams, and this has been Talent Talks.